0: Are you interested in elevating your energy, getting rid of mind fog, saying goodbye to inflammation for good, repairing your gut biome, detoxing from cancer-causing glyphosate, and losing weight? What if you could do all of that by not engaging in single-use plastic while enjoying delicious 100% organic superfoods which are sustainably grown and dehydrated on local farms within the U.S.? Look into the Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation, and remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your superfoods. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the Didgeridoo, Mandela. When I look to my right, I'm seeing the early morning light on the Grand Wash Cliffs. And the Grand Wash Cliffs mark the geological end of the Grand Canyon. In full honesty, I have been wanting to interview Carl Rice, who's sitting across from me, for at least 10 years. And I met him guiding on the Grand Canyon. Carl can be described as a spiritual action guide. He is also a professional whitewater river guide who has run rivers all over the world, including the Zambezi. And he's also a Hollywood stuntman, a professional Hollywood stuntman, and one of the many projects that Carl worked on was actually doing stunts for Indiana Jones in the Crystal Skull. And we'll talk about that later, but I would first like to thank you, Carl, for saying yes to um, sitting with me here and having a cup of coffee in the morning and sharing your story with the world. Yeah, you bet. And good morning, Mandela. So, Carl, my first question for you is where did you grow up and how was adventure a
1: part of your childhood? Yeah, that's a good question you know, and yeah, if you're a guide or, or in the scene doing the outdoors thing, yeah, that kind of rings true where that all began for people, and it's uh, different for everybody. But my first memory as a child, my dad passed away two years ago, and at his funeral I said the first memory as a child was me in a sled getting towed behind my dad Through the forest in New England on a snowy day and he's on cross-country skis and he's towing me through the woods and that is my first memory. You know after that it just kind of all came together. My dad showed me a lot of experiences in life, you know, that was his job. It wasn't for him to get me to like anything or dislike anything. He showed me different stuff in life, you know. And uh, some of the things were sailing and water skiing. You know, my early adventure stuff as a kid started off really on BMX bikes and breakdancing, you know, in the 80s. I grew up with friends and we lived on our BMX bikes. We were like goonies, you know, and I'm still friends with all those guys today, you know. And we started doing tricks on bikes and our local... Uh, Sports Shop, s Sports Shop, sponsored us. They made us a quarter pipe and we started doing shows around New England, putting on freestyle shows. It was amazing. And it kind of gave you some showmanship, taught us how to be a team. And it was also just like we were freestyling. It was awesome. And so that was the original thing that was action for me, you know, and gave me that adrenaline rush.
0: So, Carl, one of my questions is about the East Coast. You are from New Hampshire originally, and your ancestors have been in North America, in particular the Northeast, since 1635. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your ancestry, your family tree,
1: and in particular also New Hampshire. Good question, good question. And, yeah, I'm Rice, and my family, Edward Rice, uh, came from England in, in 1635. That's pre, pre-America. There was no United States then. For the most part, the Rice family, you know, some of my relatives, ancestors, fought at Bunker Hill. So that was kind of a interesting highlight. Uh, And if you've ever been to Boston and things like that, you know all the cobblestone streets and things like that. But we were in New Hampshire There's a town there called Henniker, New Hampshire, and if you go there and go to the cemetery, most of the Rices back in the late 1600s, 1700s, and 1800s and 1900s lived there and started that town. My dad's still buried there with my grandfather and great-grandfather and so on. So, yeah, it's kind of neat history. You know, human migration. You think of those people that set out uh, to come here, you know, it's pretty interesting, and, and, and frankly, it's his oldest time. For the most part, the Rices uh, ran machine shops, really, at the turn of the century. And before then, in the Revolutionary War, we made bayonets. I was the last generation, and I thank God. I remember going there as a kid, but uh, my family ran a machine shop called Late Machine Shop. They were running lays all day and making stuff. And I was the first generation that didn't work in there. But I remember going there as a kid and seeing my grandfather and my dad and and my older cousins and all that worked in there. So that was pretty wild, you know. And I'm grateful I didn't have to work in there because I got to go be a river guy and stuff. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: Carl, do you know some of the story of when Edward Rice came to the Americas in 1635, and you said it wasn't the United States at that time?
1: A lot of these people were fleeing like persecution and things like that, and the majority of the first Americans were really all outcasts. They came off for a better place, you know? Yeah, so some other interesting story. If you look online, you can type in the lost Rice boys. Some of my ancestors were uh, taken by Indians in 1704. And the ironic part of this is that three rice boys decided to stay and ended up living an Indian life. And while that was happening, the French wars were also happening. Early history in New England, there was a lot of stuff going on. I've lived in the West Coast since 93. And growing up in New England is awesome. It takes a certain person, and they're some of the neatest people I know. When I came out here and started a life in Arizona, I befriended a lot of Native Americans. And their humor is right on par with people from New Hampshire. I don't know what it is, but when I met these people, I've, I said, geez. I felt right at home, and it's the same thing. Good sense of humor, witty people. Love to take the piss out of each other, and it's just a good time. And and growing up in New Hampshire, I love the White Mountains. You know, I grew up there with my Uncle Jack, and you know, I was a snot-nosed kid. As soon as I was ready, he was like, well, we're gonna take you hiking, you know? And uh, I had no idea what that really was. We would go up and hike up to these huts with 10 of us. And we'd volunteer in the huts and then stay there and then go to the next hut, the Appalachian Mountain Club. And that kicked off that adventure, you know, of being in the outdoors and real vast open spaces, you know, and getting above treeline and experiencing that. And New Hampshire is a burly place. You know, I still joke with my California friends cause I'm like, a 3,000 foot peak in New Hampshire has an alpine zone. That means there's no trees, there's tundra. And if you're there in the winter, you're gonna get your ass kicked, you know, or potentially. Mm-hmm. And you have to go to, you know, 10,000 feet or so in California to get to an alpine zone. So it's burly it's a burly place and it's gorgeous a lot of granite obviously and a lot of trees a lot of lakes and new hampshire was great for accessibility you can drive 40 minutes to the mountains you can drive 40 minutes to the ocean
0: that is the voice of carl rice we are recording the trail as traveled here today in the deserts of northern arizona at the geological end of the grand canyon Carl, now it's time to play a song. So could you share a song with us that reminds you of your early childhood?
1: Oh, my early childhood? Yeah. Run DMC, Rockbox. Because I spent hours and hours and hours breakdancing to that song. It was awesome time. Like, I was carrying linoleum and cardboard to school in the 80s. It was awesome. I- <laughs>
0: So I met Carl while guiding on the Grand Canyon, and Carl has not only guided on the Grand Canyon, he's guided all over the world, including the mighty River Zam, the Zambezi River. And so, Carl, I'd love to hear about how you found
1: your love for the river. Yeah, rivers. I know. What an amazing experience. I don't care who you are, how you did it, or what brought you there, or who brought you there, or you know, how it took place, but we all got there in one way or another, you know. In New Hampshire, I, you know, did some canoeing and mild stuff on rivers, whatever. In 93, my sister came out and she was running uh, whitewaters in California. She was running rivers, you know, and she's like, dude, you got to check this thing out. Like this is awesome you would love this you know and i really didn't know much about it you know to be quite frank and um i'll be damned my sister came out to visit the family and dad and Ann and everybody and uh and then she's like all right you're ready to go and she brought me on a train amtrak train out to california and I went to a guide school. I'd never seen Raging Rivers, so guide school on the Tuolumne River, Merced River, and I instantly fell in love with it. I mean, dude, it is awesome. You get that adrenaline, you get to operate a machine, which is cool, being an operator, and then you get to be in nature, you know? It was uh, the time of my life going through that, you know, and I did the guide school and then yeah, I had sufficient skills to run rivers and I started working and from there it progressed and then you get in a kayak, you know, which is like the scariest thing ever when you first do it and then you're really feeling the river. So it was cool and I crunched all the numbers. I got to hang out with guys that were great mentors. You know, it taught me to listen at a different level when you're running class five rapids and somebody's explaining stuff to you. You're learning to listen and absorb this information. And then you have to, under your own volition, go back to your craft and be an operator and navigate this stuff. And the spiritual growth of that and the maturity of that is different for everybody, but it happens, you know? That growth there was really noticeable, you know, in me. I mean, I've had times where I was almost crying walking back to my kayak, like, I can't do this, you know? It's like, Petrified, or if you have like six people in your raft and it's you know spring and it's cranking 14,000, see, you know, mm-hmm. so it was cool to see what we could walk through uh, internally, you know, emotionally to do this. So, yeah, bet in the game for a little bit. I was doing the whole routine of rafting, kayaking, summer and then snowboarding at Kirkwood in the winter, hooking up with awesome dudes and girls, and, oh, um, well, that sounds weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was cool, like, the whole scene, whether it was rafting or the mountain, it was that whole scene, you know, and it was like, it was awesome, loved it. Me and Jared Nocetti in uh, 96 got an opportunity to go to the Zambezi, sure, we took it. We saw VHS beta tapes of some of the stuff before or the soap footage and and you're just like, does that even go? Like I don't get it. Like it was massive whitewater, you know? And you're like, how the hell? But we were like, yeah, we gotta go check this out. And it's the same thing. You show up and Dude, they're like, here, here's a kayak, go see the river, and you're like, oh. you know, you're not scouting anything, and you're petrified again. You've gone through all these stages to get to where you are, and then you're on the Zambezi, and now you have to internally process all this new information on how this thing is working, because it was, it was massive. I mean, I would get chundered in my kayak and come upright. I wouldn't even know what had just happened to me. And it's cool. And it's the same thing. You're starting to meet people that have been there a while that are giving you the information. They're telling you the beta. You're trying to process it. And it doesn't take that long, but slowly it happens. And now it all slows down. And now it becomes a little more of a comfortable place, you know? And then it becomes fun, scary fun. So I loved it. And just being in Africa, that was, uh, you know, I've had some uh, interesting moments in life of spiritual moments. One is seeing my niece be born. And the other one is having my hand on my dad's heart while he passed away. And another one is being in Africa, and our boss is like, here, here's an overland truck. Why don't you go out to the bush and go check out some of the animals? And you're like, okay. You know, and going out there and just sitting in a truck and looking around and seeing these massive animals and the number of them and the different sizes and shape was uh, um, super spiritual for me. You know, you're like, How is this all put together, you know? And I'm grateful for that moment. It was really an awe to see all that, you know, and to also think that maybe all that's going away, you know, or getting confined, that stuff's getting confined. But uh, if you get a chance in your life, everybody should go there and see those things.
0: That is the voice of Carl Rice, and we are recording The Trail Less Traveled on location in Meadview, Arizona. Carl is originally from New Hampshire, and he is a professional whitewater river guide. He's been talking about his experiences guiding on the Zambezi. Carl, let's talk about where we are right now. What's on the other side of those mountains just out the window, and uh, what importance does that place have in your life?
1: Freedom. Yeah, you know, what she's describing, we're at the end of the run for the Grand Canyon, if you go all the way through past Diamond Creek down to Pierce, we're basically at the top of Pierce. It's interesting, after running Whitewater and doing that whole circuit, mountain rivers, and I moved to LA and pursued a career as a stuntman. And it was amazing and it's just like chasing rivers and snowboarding and all that and crunching the numbers and I went there and chased it you know spent 10 odd years or more in LA doing the stuntman thing since then at whatever level but the Grand Canyon uh you know I'd been out of running rivers for a while and my buddy called me up and said hey man you want to come row baggage trip in the Grand Canyon and I said sure I'd been here a couple times already you know and I don't know If you're a desert rat, this is the ultimate place to hang out. And I don't know where else you can go in America for this many miles and not see a 7-Eleven, you know. But, I mean, it's your own personal experience and uh, your own interpretation of this place. But if it gets inside of you, uh, it's really hard to leave, you know. And that's what happened to me. I I did a few baggage trips and then started doing the commercial thing. And I still love it, you know. My spiritual life over time has changed and the Grand Canyon has given me an opportunity to give back to people that are on our trips and to show them this amazing place. And I I can't tell you the amount of joy I see when people come here from Kansas or from Manhattan or Germany, wherever. And uh, you just see them go quiet with their eyes wide open and they just look around. And it's just, it's not much to say, it's just awesome. And I um, enjoy sharing that with people now a lot.
0: Carl. It's not windy outside. Do we mind walking outside with no. me, get a little fresh air? And uh, since it is a radio show, people cannot see the beautiful view. So I was wondering if you could look around off this back deck,
1: and describe to the listener what you see when you look 180 degrees. Uh, I don't even want to describe what this looks like because I don't want anybody to come here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just kidding.
1: Yeah, so uh, like I said before. uh we are in the grand canyon essentially but it's ever-changing you know from where the grand canyon starts and where it ends right now we're in a heavily populated joshua tree area that is super green right now and if you look off into the distance you see the grand wash cliffs which is classic grand canyon looking but this joshua trees here this is a very special place because you don't get this kind of environment in many places and it's here so it's gorgeous last night we were out here and there's like five owls all hooting at each other it was a big hoot you know <laughs> but um it's beautiful and uh, you can hear the birds and there's little critters running around there's clouds out today which makes it a little more ominous and and beautiful so yeah, it's good to be here. I
0: agree. It's good to be here. Carl, could you tell the listeners about our ride yesterday?
1: Uh, yeah. So one of the other things we like to do is ride motorcycles, you know, dirt bikes, and there's great roads here that you can cruise on and cruise through nature. And actually you can cover a lot of ground, you know, sure. It's cool to take your truck on dirt roads and stuff, but, uh, we find taking the dirt bikes out is a pretty awesome way to go and you get to be outdoors and uh, you feel all the elements and you kind of feel like a bunny bopping through the woods.
0: Yeah, looking at the Grand Wash Cliffs, I can actually see two spots where we rode up to and dangled our toes over the edge. It was beautiful. So Carl, it's time for another song. Is there potentially a song that you can share with us that reminds you of your time on the water
1: yeah Fugazi's waiting room you'll take it at whatever level but everybody in this life has always been kind of in some sort of waiting room waiting for the next thing to happen or waiting for something to get over you know and it goes through the frustration of that or the next thing to happen
2: Aloha, my name is Rebecca Hall. I'm here on the beautiful island of Kauai. I'm a massage therapist and a yoga instructor and a wellness coach. And I wanted to share my story here gratefully for these healing superfoods. My husband and I hit rock bottom here in Kauai about four years ago. Our son was 18 months old. We have a beautiful garden and dig up turmeric and juice from our garden every day. However, just the pressures of life really got to us. And it got to my husband so severely that he became suicide depressed. He couldn't hold on to his tools at work anymore just from chronic inflammation. So I took on more massage and then I became injured. We both put a massive prayer out for something to change in our life. These superfoods came along and completely transformed our life. Within about a week of using the superfoods, my husband started speaking again. He could make a fist with his hand and hold on to things. And my lifetime osteoarthritis, pain and inflammation disappeared. So we're extremely grateful for these superfoods. They've completely changed our life. Thank you, Mandela, for taking the opportunity to share. Aloha. Visit
0: ishoppurium.com and check out Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. Remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your order. That referral code, M-A-N-D-E-L-A, will also help the future of Adventure Radio. Carl, can you tell us about the life of a professional stuntman?
1: You know, I was grateful to have that experience. You know, my chances of being a pro baseball player would have been better than being a stuntman, I bet and i'm also grateful for the years that i was involved heavily in it because we were still hitting the pavement then like there's a lot of new screen screen style stuff now and you're all on wires and and it's safer you know what there's probably a lot less brain injuries and and stuff now but uh i was cool i mean guys in the 80s you think of those cats every show on TV was action or had some sort of action. And I got into it in the 90s and it's cool. It's one of those things where you have to want it. You know, this is not gonna fall in your lap. You know, and somebody's not gonna go. Oh yeah, just grab a in. Uh, he's got no skill. I don't know what he does. It's not gonna happen like that. You're not gonna get your cousin Luigi in off the bat. You know, you have to have some sort of skill, and you have to have that determination. And I did, you know. And I chased it. Went to some stunt schools, and then uh, I took Rick Seaman, his biggest stunt car driver in LA. I took his stunt school. And I was a dirtbag, you know, I didn't have money. And I took his school and it was like 2,400 bucks for three days, which was like, seemed like the craziest thing for me to ever pay for. And and I did that and I had a great time. I mean, it was insane. It was awesome. And you get to be an operator. Here you are in another machine. And it's like a big chub, except it's going a lot faster and in ways more. So after the class, I called him up and said, Dude, you just took all my money. I need a job. And uh, he's old Vietnam vet smoker guy and raspy voice. And he started laughing. He's like, All right, come on in, you know. And I moved down to LA and went to work in a shop welding. And that kicked off my career, really, you know. And I had skills. I mean, I was a freestyle BMXer. I could ride motorcycles and I could crash and all that. But uh, he helped me get in the business. And that's that. Once you start to get in, you know, you have your little gear bag, just like in other sports, except it's filled with different kind of gear, you know? And you start to go off to these jobs. It was wild, and and running rivers, and doing the freestyle BMX, and doing the outdoor stuff with my family, it all helped out. You know, when you're a stuntman, you're doing the same thing you're doing scouting a class five rapid, except it's game on. You know, you have to learn to pay attention at a visceral, hypersensitive level. And Whitewater taught me that. Cause you do, you have to pay attention or you will get your, your butt kicked. And then if you're on a movie set getting ready to crash cars and you know, there's a crew of 250 people around and you're on city streets, you know, you listen at a uh, hypersensitive level. And it was cool. And I love that. I did it for years. Got to double some great actors. Sadly, Pat Bantam got hurt. The stunt guy hurt his leg on Indiana Jones and uh, and they lined all the stunt guys up and they told me to go get dressed and, and I got the chance to go to my locker and see Harrison Ford's whip and hat in there. And, and I got to, uh, by myself, shut the door and go put the shirt on in the mirror and then, like, put his pants on. And then I'm, like, grabbing the hat off the thing. I'm like, is this even happening? And then I'm grabbing this whip, and I'm like, what the... This, you know, it was... uh It was super cool. And then you walk out and, uh, you know, when you get to double people, you get to go on set. And generally, for some stuff, the main actor will be there. And it's such a cool thing to walk up to uh, George Lucas is there, Spielberg's there, Harrison Ford's there. And here's this snot-nosed kid from New Hampshire walking up and just like hey, Mr. Ford, like, you know, and just shakes his hand. It's like, he's like, yeah, and it was cool. And it, you're all one at that point, you know? And and like anything, you, uh, you just go do your job. You know, it's nothing fancy, but it, it's cool. And you get to see the magic of filmmaking. It's cool to be a part of that. So that was a career highlight, you know, for sure.
0: Carl, I just have to ask, what's in the bag of a stuntman?
1: Oh, my God, well... That's a funny thing, you know. And I used to joke about that with my buddy Pete Malamfy, is you don't have one bag. I mean, if you come to my house right now, I have a motorcycle bag. I have a stunt car driving bag. You know, I have a rigging bag. I have a rock climbing bag. So whatever it is, whatever you're going to do that day, you'll grab the appropriate bag. And that's what's cool. I mean, even looking around your house, like... This looks like classic dirt bag house. You've got kite boards everywhere. There's kayaks, there's motorcycles in the garage. Dude, all my friends that are into sports and action sports and just being outside, it's cool to see how they line their house out with all their goodies. It's cool. I always like to see the angel retentive of rock climbers. You open up their closet and everything's just like, bang. I always have a bag in my life. Carl, if you could tell us a little bit about the technique of falling, maybe. Funny you just mentioned that because my niece is learning to roller skate in parks. And like I tell everybody, dude, you've got to learn to fall before you start to rip hard. You have to because, uh, you know, a couple reasons. You'll scare yourself out of a sport or you'll get hurt. You know, I can't tell you how many dudes back in the day. And we didn't know this. I mean, and we were just like, go for it. I can't tell you how many people I saw with their eyes rolled back in their heads, convulsing in the ground, and we were just like, oh, he just wanted to drop in. Yeah, learning to fall. And you do that in stunts, and it translates to everything you do. I mean, you go do Aikido, and you learn to roll out of stuff, you know? I really encourage parents to teach their kids that. I mean, you look at, like, Matt Hoffman, who was pre-Foam Pit. And from his work, gratefully, we've been like, dude, yeah, let's get foam pits. Sure, they're $30,000, but who cares? Learning to fall is a big thing. Stunts, I mean, they're all nerve-wracking, some more than others. I used to do stunts where I would tie a cable to the front forks of a motorcycle, and then I would tie the end of the cable to a stationary water truck and then we'd roll everything back and i don't know if you've ever seen a dog run and get to the end of its leash that's what would happen with the motorcycle and me you know and you always knew it was coming as you're taking off you know you're going nfl football player runs like 16 miles an hour so you're creeping in at 17 18 floating 19 maybe and dude you get to the end of that cable and it is gnarly but it was always funny to watch your mind because you would know it was coming so those were always nerve-wracking for me learning to fall like skate park style and teaching your kids that and falling forward so you don't take a whipper and crack your head. You know, that's all kind of controlled thing. But there is a magical, magical, magical thing happens when you hawk it and you just go for it. And I don't know how it works. It takes a certain individual to even do it. And my thing was always you need inertia. Like I would not chicken stuff and get this inertia going forward and you're wiping out and you really, you don't even know how you're doing it. It's an internal instinct. I mean, I guess if you picked a cat up and chucked it and did a backflip with it in the air and it would just land on its feet. That's kind of what these men and women do in the stunt field. That is
0: the voice of Carl Rice. Carl Rice has been speaking to you from the deserts of northern Arizona at the end of the Grand Canyon. Carl, thank you so much for joining me here today on the Trail Less Traveled.
1: Yeah, thank you, Mandela. Yeah, I've known you a long time, and I've seen you in many eddies and walked down trails, and uh, yeah, and we always look forward to your podcast here. And uh, Way to go. This is cool stuff. Love it.
0: Carl, my last question for you is how do you handle fear?
1: How do I handle fear? Well, it's changed over the years. Sure, in my early years, I probably handled some fear with some alcohol. Reluctant to say that, that's probably the case. Well, it was good for a lot of things. And then as you mature and get older, how you deal with fear has got to change. You know and you can't hide behind it it can come out sideways sometimes you know I can't tell you early kayaking days running gnarly drops and getting the beta from people and being frustrated I could make up some excuse I had the wrong boat I could make up some excuse or get angry like oh, I have the wrong boat like you know and The reality was I was scared that I was gonna drop this drop. More importantly of that is I was scared of the outcome. And when you get in the scene long enough and you can relate this stuff, you cannot control the outcome, you know? And that can be extremely painful, you know? It's funny, in sports, in action sports, in Whitewater, as time went on, I would never argue the outcome. It's funny, you know, I'm like, well, that is what it is, you know, and I could roll with it a little more. And then um, when you get into life with intimate relationships, with work, with finance stuff, you know, it's hard to stay out of the results. You know, and we have a lot of fear. I have a lot of fear around the outcome that I can't control. You know, I can't control it. So how do I deal with it now? You know, you can't let go and hold on at the same time. And I'm just telling you that because I can't do this all the time. And it's easy. I could tell everybody on the radio to do it. I mean, but for me, it's still hard and it's a work in progress. But I'm getting a little more graceful with it. And I'm also being a little more uh, lenient with other people and having compassion that, hey, maybe that person uh, is frustrated with me. Maybe that's really not what this appears to be. Maybe they're in fear right now. Maybe cut somebody else some slack, you know? That's always gonna be there. You know, my dad passing a few years ago, he had COPD. He knew it was coming. And uh, some people don't get that opportunity, which is probably awesome. It's different for everybody, but he knew it was coming. And to see how he dealt with that, I could not believe it. I mean, it was really admirable. And we flipped the script and, you know, I kept telling him that, you know, the end's the beginning. But to see him walk through that and our family walk through that was fascinating to watch and it was uh, spiritual growth and it was painful, you know, but it was. So, That's the voice of Carl Rice.
0: We're here in the deserts of Northern Arizona and Carl, can we end your show with three bits of advice that you can share with the listener?
1: Yeah, don't wait. Don't wait to go do what you want to do. Don't wait to tell somebody you're sorry. Get what you came here for, because this life's short, and keep getting after the things you're interested in. You know, this life is really short, and it's precious. Yeah, never say no, or whatever. Or that sounds weird. I don't know. I need to work on my advice. <laughs> Hold on.
0: Carl, what song would you like to end your show with?
1: All right, so here's a great song. Roger Whitaker, New World in the Morning. And he was a South African. Yebo. Yebo. Yeah. And me and my dad loved to listen to him.
0: Namaste. Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure radio series and podcast dedicated to documenting humanity by collecting stories and sounds from around the world. This episode was recorded at the base of the Grand Wash Cliffs in the Mojave Desert at the geological end of the Grand Canyon. I'd like to thank my guest for this week, my good friend and fellow Grand Canyon River Guide, Carl Rice. Carl is originally from the East Coast, but he has lived and worked all over the world. Carl is a phenomenal Class 5 River Guide who inspires everyone who meets him. For many, Carl is a spiritual action guide. And for those fortunate enough, he is a phenomenal friend. Besides guiding Whitewater on the Zambezi in Africa, as well as the Grand Canyon, Carl is a professional Hollywood stuntman with a wide variety of talents. But one of his most fond experiences in film was being the stuntman for Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones in The Crystal Skull. I've been wanting to interview Carl for over 10 years, and I want to send him a genuine Thank you for his time and energy joining me on the Trail Less Traveled. The Trail Less Traveled airs every Sunday night at 6 Mountain Time. You can stream the show live at trail1033.com. You can also visit the official website to see an archive of over 400 shows, including photos and videos, by visiting traillesstraveled.net. The podcast is free and available on all platforms, including Spotify and Pandora. If the show has ever made you laugh or inspired you, please consider subscribing or perhaps writing us a review to help this new genre of adventure radio. And if you ever have any questions, please do not hesitate to contact me. I love connecting about travel, adventure, and perhaps you know of someone that you would like to be featured on The Trail Less Traveled you can connect directly with me by visiting traillestraveled.net. My adventure tip this week is get a whiteboard or a chalkboard or a piece of paper and write some dreams down on it. Some people even go as far as making a beautiful collage of what their dreams are the next week, the next month, the next year, the next 10 years. Perhaps have this within sight whenever you wake up in the morning so that you can visualize what your intention is. Perhaps it's something like drink more water, or learn how to do a headstand, or travel to Nepal. Whatever it is, write it down and have that intention within sight of your daily activity. Dream big. Don't wait. Life is short. That's it for this week's adventure, my friends, in Missoula and around the world. But until next week, do something for Mother Earth. And if you can, get outside and shred the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar does not shred itself.
2: My name is Yuvia Storm. I live in Bend, Oregon. At 38 years old, I found myself experiencing brain fog, massive hormone shifts, exhaustion, forgetfulness, and extreme emotional highs and lows. I had jaw acne, night sweats, body aches, and sleepless nights. It was frustrating. I did yoga, ate minimal sugar and processed foods, gardened, fermented, sprouted. What was I doing wrong? Thanks to a dear friend, I found the ultimate lifestyle transformation. In just a few days, I felt lightness of being and clarity. By the end of my transformation, my face had cleared. I had energy, my body was toned, glowing, and flexible. Now, two years later, my hormones remain balanced and my exhaustion and brain fog have not returned.
0: Purium Superfoods are 100% organic superfoods and herbs grown and dehydrated sustainably in the USA and then delivered to your door. Transform your life through daily cellular nutrition. It's worked for both Yuvia and myself. Visit ishoppuriam.com and check out the Purium Ultimate Lifestyle Transformation. Remember to use referral code MANDELA for 25% off your order. That referral code, M-A-N-D-E-L-A, will not only help you, it will also help the future of Adventure Radio.